Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I received quite a few emails and texts uh, this past week about a, a startling article that our friend Ken Belson of the New York Times wrote. And, uh, and I have to tell you, this, this article really sort of brought into sharp focus what a lot of sports parents really are concerned about with their kids. Now, of course, we debated the whole issue of concussions uh, on the show many, many times, but apparently there is new research out of Boston University that suggests that kids under the age of 12 who play tackle football have a tendency in later life to develop behavioral cognitive, and depression issues. And again, this specifically focused on kids ages 6 through 12 playing tackle football. Now, again, we've heard endlessly in recent years about the dangers of concussions from playing tackle football. And, of course, there's the latest headline in the news this past week about Aaron Hernandez and the severe amount of CTE uh, found in his brain after he committed suicide. But in this Boston University study... Again, the results focused on kids ages 6 through 12. And in truth, if parents really needed to pinpoint a reason why their kids shouldn't play tackle football, well, they can probably point to this particular study. And um, I have to tell you, it, it, this is so startling to me uh, because it was so sort of simplistic in its approach. Again, it did not do in any way uh, examine the, the physical parts of the brain because obviously uh, you're not able to do that with, with kids so young. But this is a long-term study that uh, the researchers at BU said that, you know, we, we looked at, at hundreds of, of individuals who would play tackle football as kids, and as they got to be in their 50s, they did in fact de- develop some some real concerns. And um I, you know, I have to tell you, I, I was so struck by this piece that I did ask uh, Ken Belson to, to come on the show this morning uh, to talk about this because it is just, as I say, sort of really crystallizes a lot of the concerns and the debate that uh, mothers and fathers have about their kids playing tackle football at a young age. And I will tell you, friends, we'll take your, your calls here at our toll-free line, one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Sun Brewfest is back at Mohegan Sun on October 7th, by the way. You can visit brewfest.com for details. And Ken Belson from the Times joins us this morning. Ken, how are you? Uh, good. Thanks, uh, Rick. Uh, Ken, as I just mentioned in my, in my preface here, that article really sort of just pinpointed a lot of the concerns that parents have and answers a lot of the questions that parents have about this concerns of kids, you know, playing tackle football at young ages. Now, I, I have to ask you... Um, this, this particular study focused on these kids and, and their long-range effects as they got to be in their 50s. Uh, I, there weren't that many subjects in this study, about 200 or so. 
Was that a concern, or is that is that is that uh, any way to be as uh, a as a footnote to this study? Is, is that enough people to make a real rational conclusion? This is a concern. Uh, well, a couple of things. One is the study that um, that I wrote about mm-hmm. uh, actually builds on an earlier study which only looked at NFL players, and uh, so this one actually looked at players who uh, played through high school and then others who played through college as well as those who played through the NFL. And I guess the finding here was that all three groups uh, ended up showing some diminished uh, uh, cognitive ability um, if they had started playing uh, before they were 12, at least relative to those who didn't play or started playing after they were 12. Uh, so that was the first thing, is it's a sort of a broader study. But you're right, at 200 is not a huge number. Uh, and the other thing that the authors of the study note is that um, these were done through phone and um, online interviews, not in-person evaluations, mm-hmm. which is obviously uh, a limiting factor. So they were they were upfront with that, but um, I guess the 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 thing that surprised the researchers was that uh, um, you know the the notion that the NFL players that have had cognitive problems later in life, you know, they have played probably cumulatively twenty years. But here they're finding out that people who played from, say, Pee Wee all the way through high school also had some issues relative to those who only started, uh, say, in junior high or high school. Yeah, because so. I, I think, so I say, most people say, well, you know, I can sort of rationalize uh, the, the fellows who go on to play uh, in the NFL for several years because obviously they've extended the, the amount of time they've had um, potential for hits to the head and concussions. But this, these concerns about the accumulation of CTE in one's brain, that wouldn't have the same kind of impact with, with kids who were just playing tackle football, you know, say in Pop Warner or into high school. Because once they stop playing after the high school level, you know, the, the, the chance of them getting concussions are pretty limited. But So I think people have tried to rationalize this approach. But this sort of says, no, not necessarily. If your kid's playing uh, Pop Warner ball or, or playing pickup tackle football when they're under the age of 12, that could have a real impact as I, as I get older. Is that, is that yeah. fair to say? Yes, uh, I think that's fair. And I, I think also the, the doctors or the researchers who uh, did this work, and frankly, it's a, um, it's a much-needed study insofar as it's what's known as a longitudinal study. It's done over many, many years where mm-hmm. you track the same people, and I think that's been one of the missing pieces uh, in this issue is, is just not doing one-off snapshots of people's behavior uh, but trying to track them over many years and see the sort of arc of their decline or, or their health. Um, so that, that's kind of a key issue here, and I, I, I think that's often been missing, um, you know, in the studies, and, and this is an attempt. Now, obviously, this may change further as we go, but the, the doctor's main point here, and the reason that number 12 is so important, is that the, apparently the brain, at least this is explained to me, is the, the brain is developing at an incredibly rapid rate between the ages of 10 and 12. And so if you're um, playing athletics uh, or doing other activities that sort of um, involve sort of ripping at the membrane or the, 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 the brain by having it flosh around through head hits, um, that's going to have a sort of amplify the impact uh, as opposed to when you're older and more fully developed and your head and and um, brain is uh, more um, close to maturity. I think that's this key age. Everybody keeps bringing up the age 12. It's not a convenient number uh, to mark the 
change our entry into junior high school, but um, it has to do more with brain development. That's what the doctors have been looking at. We're talking with Ken Belson of the New York Times, uh, who wrote a, a just a startling piece this past week about uh, the study from Boston University that says that kids who play tackle football between the ages of 6 and 12 uh, seem to have a propensity for suffering cognitive and uh, depressive issues as they get older. Uh, and this is, again, another sort of indictment of the whole tackle football at a young age. Uh, Ken, uh, a few years ago, I had Dr. Uh, Robert Cantu from BU, the neurosurgeon, come on the show, and he was emphatic. He said, I would suggest that no, if, if a kid wants to play tackle football, I would suggest strongly to his parents that uh, they don't start till at least 14. Now, his, his uh, thesis was that, uh, as you mentioned, the brain, especially uh, uh, in the younger ages, is still developing. Uh, but uh, his feeling was the fact that the, the, the neck muscles weren't strong enough uh, under the age of 14. As a consequence, the, the, the head uh, tends to sort of you know, bounce around and has more of a tendency to suffer whiplash, uh, in addition to the concerns about the concussions. So he was saying, look, if you really want to have your kid play football, wait till at least 14, which would put him around the age of or, you know, probably 8th or ninth grade. Uh, did you get any sense from the study or from the people you talked to at BU about this? Do they feel the same way? Uh, sure. It's a contributing factor. Um, uh, the other uh, thing that most people forget is that there's actually no or very few um, uh, helmets that actually fit uh, or specifically designed for kids. Mm-hmm. And, and that means that the helmets uh, are generally heavier uh, relative to the weight of their own bodies and the strength of their necks. And, and that's also a contributing factor if you consider that whiplash is sure. actually one of the ways that people get um, concussions. So I think maybe even lighter helmets, although they won't necessarily protect against concussions, they may prevent uh, some of the whiplash injuries you get when uh, a player is thrown to the ground and their head smacks against the, the uh, turf. Um, so that, that's another issue. But uh, sure, the body strength um, is incredibly important, and a lot of professional and collegiate players will say that you know the, their strength and conditioning, uh, particularly their neck and shoulder muscles, uh, help prevent uh, their heads from, from being uh, um, uh, thrown about like bobbleheads, which is what you typically see with kids. You know, there, there is that argument that, well, the kids aren't that heavy, so the hits they're, they're um, <laughs> giving and receiving aren't nearly, don't have nearly the power, but it's, it's all relative, too. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're not hitting like Cam Chancellor on the Seahawks or a player like that, but it doesn't matter. I mean, Cam Chancellor is, is playing amongst uh, men his size, and so it's all relative to the, the child and who they're playing against. Uh, uh, we're talking with Ken Belson of the Times. Uh, Ken, I, I want to explore that. I also want to ask you, uh, you know, in fact, there was a study last year at Wake Forest, which you mentioned in your article as well, which gets into uh, young kids and uh, how many hits the, these little kids get when they play tackle football. I also want to ask you about if there's any consideration for other sports besides football when it comes to hits to the head like uh, like soccer or lacrosse or ice hockey. But let me take a break. Uh, uh, Dave Yorham has your update. When we return, I'll take your calls as well for, uh, for Ken at uh, 1-877-337-6666. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm Rick Wolf. I'm talking with New York Times sports writer Ken Belson, who wrote the uh, very visible article this past week that has uh, sports parents everywhere buzzing that a new study out of Boston University shows that kids 
between the ages of 6 and 12, uh, as they get older, they exhibit behavioral issues uh, from playing tackled football at that very tender age. And um, this is disconcerting because in the back-and-forth debate about uh, kids playing tackle football and long-range concerns and parents having to decide whether they let the kids play tackle football or go to touch football or flag or, or go to some other sport, uh, this is this is more evidence that there's a real concern here, and, and we're we're taking your calls and comments at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Ken, I, before the break, I, I wanted to ask you about this Wake Forest study, which uh, came out last year, which was something comparable. I mean, you mentioned before the break that a lot of people think, well, you go to a a, a, a Pop Warner football game or a practice, and you see the little kids; they don't weigh very much, and they're in full pads and you know, how much can anybody get hurt uh, in terms of their, their brain function by these these uh, these hits from little kids? And yet, I, I guess the Wake Forest study said, actually, it's pretty serious as to what happens down the road. Yeah, that study, uh, if I we're talking about the same one, but uh, found that after even one season uh, using uh, sensors and helmets, uh, found that kids exhibited uh, changes to their brain. And um, uh, Wake Forest and... and uh, also, Virginia Tech have done some really good tracking of, of youth leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, admittedly, uh, you know, a half a dozen teams in a season and so forth, but um, it, it is compelling to see that um, brain um, behavior uh, does change after one season of hitting. There was just another study out, <coughs> excuse me, the other day, also from uh, the folks at uh, Wake Forest um, School of Medicine talking about uh, the impacts uh, during practice, which is really when the majority of um, uh, head hits are, are done, which sort of makes sense because you're practicing many more hours than actually playing in a game. Uh, so it sort of leans towards um, adjusting the way kids practice, uh, potentially, and certainly you see that now in the pros and in the Ivy League uh, where the number of head hits uh, is um, uh, taken, trying, they're trying to take the number of head hits out of practices. Canadian Football League, just banned uh, full contact practice during the season, which is a pretty stark um, uh, move, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, this is um, they're starting to piece it together. Again, it's probably worth warning that these are still relatively small studies, and even the numbers that are being published are still relatively small. So kids uh, who start playing before 12 uh, have higher rates of cognitive problems after um, in many years uh, compared to those who start playing after 12. But those kids, uh, the, the numbers of problems, people who have problems is still not, you know, everybody. In other words, you don't want to scare people into saying everybody who plays football is going to have cognitive problems. It's just that the probabilities are higher. Um, you're raising the odds of having these issues, and uh, I think that's where parents have to sort of weigh the risks on behalf of their kids. All right, let's uh, let's open the phone lines here at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's uh, let's start uh, with uh, Mark out in Sayville. Hey, Mark. Good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, guys. Uh, been following this information pretty closely over the last few years. As a paramedic, I've uh, responded to many athletic injuries on the field and in practice. The other issue that I thought that was a major concern, at least for myself. When my kids were uh, going to school and playing sports at the middle school level and the high school level, consistency that I noticed was they were taking athletes, younger athletes that had high level of talent and potential, and accelerating their position 
on junior varsity and varsity teams with older players because of their talent. And we're talking about, in some cases, middle school kids. They were getting elevated to junior varsity as well as varsity-level teams because of their talent. But then again, developmentally, their anatomy and physiology was still at the age at which they were playing against kids that were two to three years older than them. And my concern was, why are you accelerating their opportunity against other players, even if their talent brought them to that level? But the point is, you're exposing them to that physicality of those types of hits that could be detrimental, not only to their brain, but, you know, as far as their musculoskeletal and any other type of issues. Mark, and that seems to be a going trend in a lot of athletic, uh, athletic programs throughout the school system. Mark, that's an excellent observation uh, because, you know, after all, if a, if a kid is uh, pinpointed as being a, a kid with great potential or great athletic ability, and, uh, geez, it's going to make him or her feel good about being elevated and make the parents feel good that the kid's somehow uh, a gifted athlete. But, Ken, this sort of plays into even greater concerns, as, as Mark is saying, that, you know, you're exposing a younger athlete to potentially more, more hits to the head at a younger age. Yeah, and I think the... the the caller's um, broader point here is is how youth leagues or how youth leagues and, and collegiate, not collegiate leagues, but uh, Pop Warner and so forth uh, are less regulated than um, other leagues. And Pop Warner does have, for instance, weight limits and age limits, but a lot of youth leagues have rebelled against this. And uh, kids are joining leagues where, um, deliberately joining leagues because there aren't weight limits, and I mean, so part of this is a factor that kids are getting bigger faster than mm-hmm. they were years ago, um, but kids yeah. want their 8-year-old, who might be a very heavy-set kid, to play against 11-year-olds, um, because that's the only way they can get them in a league, and uh, that that adds an extra layer of danger that I think is not fully understood. Yeah. Hey, Mark, thank you for the call. You know, uh, and, and Ken, let me go on that, that pathway for a second. You know, I know you interviewed uh, uh, John Butler from Pop Warner Football. Um, does this kind of study, uh, does this sort of spell the end for Pop Warner Football? Because Pop Warner is, you know, they have lawsuits against him now, and, and, and um, you know, John Butler runs uh, Pop Warner Football. This seems to be a real difficult kind of uh, obstacle for Pop Warner tackle football to sort of be able to climb out of. Well, um uh, the numbers have gone down. The enrollment numbers—they've uh, gone down in a lot of leagues. Yeah. I think Pop Warner, just by being the most established and um, uh, the, one of the oldest leagues, is is being targeted um, by uh, you know in these lawsuits. Uh, but I, I think actually, in some ways, they've done more than any other league uh, to try and change the rules of the game, uh, limit the amount of contact and practices. And so, uh, in some ways, if you're interested in putting your kid in tackle football pop warner may be the the league that's done the most to try and limit the number of head hits and injuries uh head injuries on the field so it may become in a sense uh, a more conservative or safer uh venue for youth football uh, as opposed to some of the uh independent leagues that i've seen particularly down south uh where it's kind of no holds no holds barred and um parents uh, are coaching and aren't necessarily trained up on proper technique, um, and it's, it's more like a jungle gym as opposed to uh, Pop Warner, which ta- has taken a much more conservative approach. So uh, they may actually gain some, uh, in the long run, may gain some um, uh, kids. Uh, of course, kids may turn off to the game entirely, and that's, that's probably not all Pop Warner's issue. Uh, my guest is Ken Belson of the New York Times.
uh, Kim, before I uh, get back to the calls, but, uh, you know, there's something that bothers me about all this. And, again, I played uh, tackle football when I was a kid in the Sandlots. Uh, I played right through, um, uh, although I should say when I was in middle school, I played flag football. But I played, uh, you know, four years of uh, high school football and into college. Um, but my concern is there's something inherently sort of wrong or, or, or um, I'm uncomfortable with when you say, well, you got uh, more and more of these leagues, whether it's Pop Warner or the Ivy League or the Canadian Football League, we're saying we're just gonna, not going to have any contact during the week so that the guys you know, limit their exposure to concussions, but it's okay for them to go out and play on Saturday or Sunday. There's some, I mean, there's something, by acknowledging there's a real concern about the multiplicity of hits, uh, and so we're going to not going to have any contact during the week. There's something doesn't seem to be right about this. It's like it's like admitting that it's a real concern, but you know maybe we'll get lucky and you won't get hit that bad on on the weekend. You know when you play in the real games. Yeah, there's there's a big debate about that. That if you um, uh, take away uh, full contact practices, kids are not as prepared. Not just kids, but athletes in general are not as prepared for the hits that come during the game. Yeah. Uh, and among other things, you need to. Uh, practice getting hit uh, to be able to practice defending yourself uh, from those hits. Uh, there's others who say, look, this is a, the, the worst or most insidious part of this brain disease is cumulative hits, not just the concussions that get the most uh, notoriety, but, but just getting hit play after play after play. That's what's causing some of this uh, deterioration of, of, of kids' brains. And so, um, you know, uh, yes, they'll hit in games. Maybe they'll have one or two full contact practices in a month uh, just to remind kids of what it's like and maybe teach certain techniques. Um, but I, th- I think that the larger issue and the reason that practices are being targeted is, is just the issue of cumulative hits. I think that's been or become the scientific consensus. It's not the, the one-off concussions. It's more the repeated head hits. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on this. That's, uh, let's go to uh, Tony uh, in Staten Island. Hi, Tony. You're on the fan. Good morning, guys. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I have two sons that play hockey, one that plays tackle football, and doing it for about 10 years. I used to go to the game to say, you know, score the winning goal and do this and do that. Now I'm just hoping that they come off the ice, you know, in one piece or the field in one piece. And and adding to the problem is the parents that, you know, their kids are out there and goes, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him hard, you know, smack, you know. I'm kind of blaming the parents here that are instilling this, into their kids that they almost murdered the other kid on the ice or on the field. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you feel about that? Well, Tony, that's, that's a good observation as well. Uh, Ken, that's sort of like built into, uh, into the, uh, the American way of, of, uh, of sports parenting. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially it, we, we all acknowledge that football, ice hockey, these are contact sports, and parents that get into the fray, I don't think parents obviously literally mean, obviously, to seriously injure an opposing player, but... That's what parents yell and scream at. Yeah, I've seen this in practice, and of course, it's not it's not limited to football. It's in a lot of different sports. Parents uh, live through their kids, and uh, look, that's a it's an even larger cultural question as to um, you know uh, parenting and sports. Um, you know, I saw this in Little League growing up. It, it wasn't necessary to knock another kid's head off, but mm-hmm. it was certainly you know, parents charging the field or arguing with the umpire and. Uh, screaming at the coach, and I mean, all this behavior goes on. I don't think this is unique to football. I think the the sad part of it is that the consequences in football are so much larger than they are in 
something like basketball or uh, uh, soccer, that kind of thing. Uh, and look, you can go on YouTube, and there's uh, highlight reels of hits by ten-year-olds on other ten-year-olds, and um, I mean, there's just no shortage of this. And look, I mean, we live um, broadly speaking, we live in a, a fairly violent culture, um, and uh, you know, there's a significant group of people um, uh, that I've met, parents, who think that uh, you know, having their kid play tackle football is a way to make them stronger, um, both physically and as an individual. Um, and it quote unquote toughens them up, and so uh, when they see uh, one kid uh, hitting another, uh, that's validation in a sense. Uh, and by the way, on both ends, um, I've seen parents comfort their kid and say, "You know, I'm glad you got hit. You, you're going to learn to get up now." And uh, <laughs> this is not a this is not a brand new thought, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's one like... that persists in this um, you know age. And uh, it, it is rooted back in a much earlier age that, you know, you have to fight to get stronger. So, um, you know, I, I find that some of the, and your callers probably have plenty of opinions on this, there's a, there's a large segment of the football playing population that, that talks about the game as a, as a great character builder and uh, as a great team sport and obviously as a, a great game of strategy. Uh, but there's plenty of activities out there that you can get uh, the, some of the same benefits, um, whether it's baseball or soccer or lacrosse, hockey, uh, I, track well, and field. So I, I don't see how Ken, it's limited to football. I'm up against a break here, but can I keep you for a few more minutes after the break? Of course, yeah. I have a few more calls I want to get to. Uh, we're talking with, with Ken Belson of the New York Times about this piece he wrote last week about the study out of Boston University particularly focusing on kids ages 6 through 12, uh, you know, having issues down the road from playing tackle football. All right, let me take a timeout. Uh, Dave Urim has your update. When I return, I go right back to the calls at one 337 Hey, friends, it's time for the Yankees Turning Point of the Game contest brought to you by Wendy's. Get in the game with Wendy's 4 for $4 and by Adorama, the official electronic retailer of the New York Yankees radio network. So be the first caller to correctly identify yesterday's Yankees turning point of the game at 1-866-540-WFAN, and you'll win a four-pack of tickets to see the New York Yankees at an upcoming game at Yankee Stadium. Plus, you'll also receive a $44 Wendy's gift card. To purchase tickets, go to yankees.com. It's from your flagship station for New York Yankees baseball, The Fan. Okay, and don't forget, at, this mor- at 9 o'clock this morning, uh, NFL football from London, Jacksonville Jaguars are taking on the Baltimore Ravens. That's directly after this show. Uh, let's get back to our callers for Ken Belson of the New York Times. Let's go up to, uh, to Brookfield, Connecticut. Joel, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, Joel. I just wanted to relay a conversation I had recently with a friend. Uh, I played flag football all the way through eighth grade with the parochial league out in Iowa. Yep. And it didn't occur to me until later on in life that every time we went into high school and started playing tackle football, nine out of the 11 starters on defense and offense were usually kids from the parochial school flag league. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of that had to do, quite frankly, with our skill sets. We were much quicker with our feet. We played with better, better skill sets. And the public school kids were just overwhelmed and practiced how fast we were all the time. Interesting. I can tell you, with all certainty, we never received concussions. I can remember uh, public school kids over the years getting concussions because they led with head first. And uh, us, us guys who played flag football, our skill set was not to do that. And so I don't remember any of our kids from our parochial league ever getting concussions. And I, you know, back then, that was not a, a thought process that we put into it. But I think now, looking back at it, 
that had a lot to do with playing flag football. Yeah, I, I think that, that's uh, and Joel. Thank you for the call, uh, Ken. I think a, there's a lot of merit in that, and that's one reason why we, we keep hearing like, well, we're not trying to discourage kids from playing football. But they're, when they're developing and very young, I mean, they're all alternatives, whether it's uh, flag football or for years, of course, uh, impromptu touch football games, where the contact is, uh, is really limited uh, in terms of head-to-head uh, you know, uh, interaction. And I, 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 it does seem to be, that seems to be the more reasonable way to, to get around these concerns. Yeah, your caller uh, brought up a really good point. And, um, uh, in fact, the story I wrote uh, to, uh, about two no more than that, maybe three years ago in uh, Marshall, Texas, uh, where the um, school direct, uh, the football coach and the school district uh, deliberately scrapped seventh grade tackle football. And uh, this is down in Texas where you'd think that'd be anathema. Mm-hmm. And the argument from the coach was, uh, I got 120 kids who come out in seventh grade. Very few of them actually know how to tackle properly. I'd rather have them run routes, learn how to throw the ball, learn how to play defense, without the distraction and the potential danger of pads and helmets. Mm -hmm. And then in the eighth grade, figure out who's really interested in continuing, um, because there's a lot of, you know, understood a lot of uh, enthusiasm for the game, but a lot of misplaced. And so he actually felt that flag football was a far better way to figure out how to teach kids the basics of this game, the strategy, the timing involved, and literally just getting them into shape to play it, uh, to run, to do the drills without having to use tackle dummies and, and knocking kids on their butts. Uh, so uh, I, I can see that spreading. In fact, the NFL had put out an announcement just a couple weeks ago that they were supporting flag football efforts. So uh, maybe people are coming around to this idea. You don't have to have your kids suited up in full pads and helmets at such a young age. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, and again, we're, we're running out of time this morning, but I'm glad you mentioned about the NFL because clearly parents uh, are, are really – uh, on the horns of a dilemma, like obviously uh, kids love uh, football and they want to play, but they don't have any real sense. The parents said, well, is this safe? Do I let the kid play Pop Warner? Do I let them play tackle football? And the NFL, of course, being so besieged with lawsuits uh, from its former players, they've been sort of reticent to give any uh, parental guidance about what they would advocate. But uh, as you said, now they're saying, well, maybe the way to go on this is by having kids up until the age of uh, 13 or 14 playing flag football or touch football. I- is that where we're going? Is that your sense, Ken? I mean, you're seeing all this, all the reports coming in. Is, is that you feel what's going to happen down the road here? Yeah, I think it's already spreading. And, you know, there's some ancillary um, effects here, one, is what, one of which is the, uh, the rising or, or the cost of playing or fielding tackle football teams, both in terms of equipment uh, sign-up fees, and, and now, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, legal liability insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of directors, uh, like, for instance, boys and girls clubs and groups like that, are saying, you know what, I can, I can do touch football for a fraction of the money, and by the way, I can include girls, uh, and I can just have so many more kids come out for the same amount uh, or, or for less money, frankly, and um, that's having an impact as well. Uh, so I've just seen across the country um, uh, examples of school districts either dropping youth football or transitioning and um, adding flag football. Flag football's already been played in Texas, for instance, right. in springtime, but uh, I think it's a growing trend and, uh, and probably a much healthier one. And, and you mentioned that other aspect, which uh, isn't often talked about, and that's the financial uh, concerns in terms of insurance and liability. As, as the evidence continues to accumulate, 
that uh, there are these long-term concerns with concussions, which may, you know, been uh, inflicted when the kids are very young. Yeah, more. I, I just have a sense as well that a lot of the uh, recreation departments, a lot of the uh, high schools, they're they're going to see their insurance uh, costs go begin to skyrocket. And they're going to say at some point, you know what, this is getting to be out of hand. And particularly, we don't want to encourage this kind of uh, tackle football at young ages. I, I think those are concerns on the horizon, as you said. You know, they're saying, well, let the kids play flag football. A lot easier, a lot cheaper. And uh, when they get to be in, in ninth grade, we will then have our coaches uh, who are well-instructed teach the kids how to tackle properly to, in order to reduce the concerns of, of, of hits to the head. Yeah, and I think you'll have um, uh, kids will sort of sort themselves out. You see this in in band practice on the first day, you get 100 kids who come out for band, uh, 90% of them want to play drums and trumpet. Uh, <laughs> then they figure out how much work it is to practice and, and, uh, you know, and really be good at it. And suddenly you get down to about 50 kids, and, and those 50 kids tend to be the ones that are taking it more seriously. You could see the same in football. And then if you've got the kids who are more serious about football and, and have demonstrated that they're better athletically, you'll probably end up having a safer game as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, it is, it is curious to see how this is all going to evolve, uh, that's for sure. But uh, you know, this kind of study, uh, which you reported on, Ken, is, is really, as I said, cuts to the heart of the matter and gets parents to say, okay, I, I understand my kid wants to play football, but let's sort of think about what's the best approach. And maybe flag football instead of tackle football, particularly under the age of 12, is the way to go. Hey, Ken, as always, I, I can't thank you enough uh, for getting up early on a Sunday morning to join me about this important topic. A lot of people are obviously interested in terms of getting direction. So uh, I thank you again. Sure, my pleasure. That is, of course, Ken Belson of the New York Times uh, reporting uh, about these studies that uh, a lot of moms and dads are concerned about, and rightfully so. As I said during the course of my interview with Ken and taking phone calls, you know, I, I do think the, the we're going to see more and more of a, a shift, and as Ken mentioned, even in the Texas, people are going to start saying, no, no, I, you can play tackle football, but not until you're at least 14 when you're in ninth grade. But for right now, you can play touch or flag. You have more fun, quite frankly, uh, learning pass patterns and catching the ball, doing the skill stuff. But, you know, for right now, I think there's too much evidence that shows that there's too much potential damage being done to your brain when you're such a young age. All right, let me, let me take a time out. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Sports Radio 1019 FM. Sports Radio 66 well, we just had a wonderful discussion with Ken Belson in the New York Times about the long-range impact of kids ages 6 through 12 playing tackle football. And as I said uh, before the break, I am personally more convinced than ever that if your kid wants to play tackle football, you know, you let them first start out by playing touch or flag football until they're at least uh, not just 12, but until they're 14. Uh, it, it just seems in all these studies that are coming forth from uh, – from Wake Forest or Boston University, they're all talking about the fact that you know the brain is still developing at a very tender age, and in particular, uh, even though it may appear that little kids who weigh you know 60, 80, 100 pounds, whatever it might be when they're young, uh, it doesn't look like there's much physical contact taking place because they're wearing helmets and it's kind of cute that they're playing you know football. Fact is, those kind of hits to the head are, are can be potentially quite dangerous in the long run, and moms and dads need to know that. Uh, and uh, I understand, of course, that uh, you know kids want to play ball, but I would suggest strongly that if your kid wants to play football, 
let them go out and play flag or, or touch football. And obviously more and more of the, the towns are, are beginning to offer programs like that. And quite frankly, I think that's the way to go until they get to the point where they're in a freshman year in high school where they're under real coaches who actually can teach them to, to tackle properly. The fact that we're seeing all these college leagues and pro leagues now you know, really reducing the number of uh, hits during practice time in the week, again, that's a little unsettling to me because it's an acknowledgement that, that there are concussions are going on. But again, if your kid wants to play, be smart about this because, uh, you know, we know that this, this damage is potentially out there. Okay, very quickly on another note, let me ask you this. You wouldn't go to a—you wouldn't take your kids to a National Hockey League game and sit in a front row uh, if there weren't any protective glass there. You just wouldn't do that because, you know, the, the pucks are flying everywhere and the guys are hitting. That'd be idiotic and dangerous. Well, the same thing goes on with Major League Baseball. And if you take your kid to a Major League Baseball game or a minor league baseball game, for that matter, and there isn't protective netting, I mean, you wouldn't sit behind home plate with, if there wasn't a net there. So I'm not really sure. I know Commissioner Manfred has said for two years now we have to investigate this and it's complicated. Thank goodness we're seeing some real action taking place now because this is something that needs to be done as simple as that. And, and uh, you know, it's just so sad that this little girl had to be a victim from that line drive off of Todd Frazier's foul ball. But again, hopefully things are going to change. All right, that's going to do it for me in this issue of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Brian Rascona. Stick around for NFL football. That's straight ahead. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.